Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What? A podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals, or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist Now What? This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, and I am so excited today to have with you, in case you have not heard of her, Miss Asha Frost. Asha, I bump into you, I think it was via Origin, and then you posted the offering around last fall for what was it? It was the seven day teachings. I don't remember right now the title of it, but it was that. And I felt so magnetized by Asha's offering and her gifts and her medicine that I was like, I need to get into this. And then I joined your membership and I was able to interact more with you. I've also done like one-on-ones with you, but I just so happy that I can introduce you to this group of folks that probably have never heard of you and that are going to be delighted to hear from you and your journey in reclamation in coming back to you and your book and all that. So without any further ado, welcome, Asha. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. And yes, it's so interesting. We're talking about reclamation because that yeah. uh, program was called Reclaim. So it was the seven day grandfather teachings and it was so lovely to be connected there. So thank you for having me now. I am so happy. And I prefer to have my guests share about them and tell who they are, what they love, what they do, and all that good stuff. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about you and what you do and what you love the most about it. Sure. So I'm going to introduce myself traditionally. My spirit name is Healing Rainbow Woman, and I'm from Cape Coker First Nation, and I am part of the Crane Clan. And I have been, I guess, a healer as a career for the last two decades. I started as a homeopath for about 15 years, and I had a private practice. And in that private practice, I did an Indigenous medicine healing work as well. So energy work and just just all around sort of unconditional love work in in my home for much of that time. And then I just had this calling to bring everything to more of a global scale. So that is where my membership was birthed to do some healing circles. I, I was doing a lot of local healing circles for a long time. And then I just sort of moved it online. So that was a really big jump for me. And now that's, that is my favorite way I think of connecting with folks is connecting with through my medicine and having that being a catalyst to other people's medicine awakening when they when we sit in circle together. So my favorite part I think is seeing like the medicine light up in someone else who sits in front of me and seeing them understand that they have this divine connection um, and remember their creation story. Mm, I love that last part, remembering their creation story. And how was that journey for you to remember your creation story? Yeah, well, it was like a very profound awakening. I think I was diagnosed with a chronic illness at 17 
called lupus. And I, at the time I was a typical teenager, so I wasn't really like, you know, I wasn't meditating or doing any of those things at the time. And I got really sick. And when I got the diagnosis, the doctor said, well, you need this anti-malarial medication, this prednisone. And I tried it and it made me even sicker. So then the call of my ancestors kind of awakened me at the time and called me back to what I've always known in my blood and my bones that the earth could heal me. My spirit could heal me. I'd always had glimpses of that. Like I was a seer as a child and a dreamer. But I just, there was just a disconnect due to, you know, colonization and oppression, residential school trauma. But that was like a cracking open to bring me onto the path again of like remembering that I could heal myself and that I was here, I think, first and foremost to heal myself and then to step up and share that wisdom with others. So my creation story, I think, um, got remembered at 17. Mm. And I really, really love how you were talking how the illness is kind of like what got you because I know with many people that tends to happen and how hurtful that must be because I have heard of lupus of being so painful and so debilitating. So still being able, I, I bet that happened later on. I don't know if it happened right away that you were like, ooh, awaking. <laughs> but that journey and it's still on, right? Because is lupus like a chronic It has like flares and all that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It's, um, I think the awakening continues, right? The evolution continues. It's something that I live with every day. It's something that I'd say there's lots of things that are happening in my physical body that I'm constantly reminded to come back to what's important and to come back to the teachings of that. And also, I think re most recently, it's invited me into what could a life look like that was filled with joy and ease and grace? What could a body feel like that, that was connected to those things as well? And as an Indigenous woman, how do you step into the worthiness of that? So that's a big part of the work in the last couple of years. Mm. And what helps you to remember? Do you have like reminders or what, what helps you to remember? So many things. I think, honestly, that the biggest part probably is looking into the eyes of my children because they just seem so connected still. You know, they have that light source, that divine essence and energy. And I know that they're going to carry on this legacy of, I wish for them that they live in a healed body, that they don't have to experience that pain. So I know that my work impacts that generational joy and ease. I believe that so much. So they are my first reminders. And then I'd say sitting with folks one-on-one -on -one is still my favorite thing to do. Um, even though I stepped away from my private practice, seeing the medicine that they carry somehow like shine out in the world, it reflects something back to me of who I am and how to come back to that every day, even amidst all of this wildness that's happening in our world right now. I still can see the light somehow. Yeah, it just, it comes back to that always. Mm. So what I'm hearing is also that In moments like that, that you're forgetting or you're like in a different, you keep on kind of going and working and through the work, through spending time with your children and seeing that is what brings it back. Because a lot of folks have this idea that if they're not healed, they cannot do any healing or if they're not like perfect or like in a really good function that they cannot function. What are your thoughts about that? Yes, I hear that from a lot of folks too. Like, well, I'm not there yet. I haven't healed completely yet. or 
yeah, who am I to serve people when I am so messed up? And I just think that that comes from such an inherent shaming energy, like our shaming culture that just says like, you're not enough. You're not enough. And I, I believe that like, I mean, I think about all the layers of, of stuff I've healed through and how much wisdom has come from that. Like it's enormous and how much I've been able to share through my teachings, through the struggle and the pain. And I don't want to say that you have to go through that struggle and pain to be a good healer or to be perfect to anything. I think you can learn through joy and ease and grace too. But I do think there's never, you're never going to get there. And we only have this one life. So why not share now where you're at right now? You are going to be able to serve those who need you right now. Um, I know this for a fact. There's been so many aspects of my evolution that I've served different groups of people and it just always changes. So where we're at right now is going to serve so many people because they need your wisdom. Mm. And that is part of the reclamation. It is. Of dismantling that internalized, colonized belief mm -hmm. and oppressive belief that we're not good enough until we're X, Y, and C. Yeah, that's a huge... Yeah. That's a huge thing to unweave from, I think. Like, I, I don't think we realize how big that is for, for folks who identify as women and also folks of color. I think it's just like a big, a big thing. It's like this collective ancestral energy that we're constantly bringing, bringing consciousness to. I think that's my experience, yeah. at least. Hmm. Yeah, this is bringing in lots of memories because how I was raised was very much of we show our good side. And we're always like, not, not like being fake, but we keep our secrets in the house. And when we're outside, we have to behave. And it was like this pride that was integrated in the Puerto Rican families that if your children would behave in someone else's home and they were not touching things and they were not doing things, that they were good kids. So like, you kind of like just sit down and you're, you don't even ask for water. You don't even ask for anything. You're just there. And there was that idea, and I feel like it was this standard of perfection that, it, I mean, there's so much about that, especially with oppression and colonization and patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. But all that was internalized. And sometimes I feel like for healers or people that are in the world that I wanted to bring their medicinas or their medicines, that's one thing that holds them back because then they go back to that memory of having to hold back, having to not you know, show their weaknesses. And then social media is another world that it's shifting, but there's still that idea of showing your good side and making it so beautiful and perfect and like contained. Yes. And like, yeah, I'm here to dismantle that, I think, and shake that up because I think I was just speaking to somebody this morning about vulnerability and how even though Sometimes I've opened my heart really wide and felt very vulnerable. And maybe somebody has taken advantage of that or stabbed my heart or said something hurtful. I'd still want to walk in this way, in the world this way, versus walking with like a guarded, shielded heart. Because maybe that's just something that's come with me in this lifetime. But I just know that the wider I can open my heart and stand in that in the world, at least I just know that I, I walked in my own truth, I guess, and as authentically as I could. So. That's who I'm attracted to, at least. I'm attracted to those open-hearted beings. And I'm not saying we need to like pour our, dump our trauma over anybody. That's a very mm -hmm. different thing. It's like, but just like sharing some of those pieces that maybe we've been shamed for so long not to share and that we've hidden. Those pieces, I think, are allowed to be seen. 
that's where shame, mm-hmm. that's where shame gets kind of cleared, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the part that I always feel like one-on-ones have that limitation because yes, I can be a sounding, you know, safe space for clients and hear it. And, and I even tell them, I wish there was a group that you can share this so you, that way you know that you're not alone, that there's so many other people that are sharing the same experience, but because you think you are the only one you have internalized, there's something wrong with you. As opposed to being like, this is part of the human experience after you've been through X, Y, and C. Mm-hmm. So, so important. Yeah. In terms of the obstacles, what would you say has been some of them? I'm even thinking like maybe some of the recent obstacles or some of the ones that you felt that have been the hardest to overcome in your journey. Mm. Oh my goodness, there's so many. <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> what that comes forward first as you ask that is belonging and fear of not belonging. I think as Indigenous people, we have that like that blood memory of belonging to a tribe or a First Nation, right? So it's like anything that steers, that seems to take you away from that belonging, whatever the narrative is of, I mean, we're not a monolith, but there are certain narratives of how Indigenous people need to show up and how they need to move in the world. There's a lot of projections and there's a lot of expectations. So I'd say my it's really, it can be a stumbling block for me when I veer away from my authentic self, feeling like I need to show up as a indigenous person in a certain way. And then I get anxious because I leave my, I leave my core knowing to please that, whatever that narrative is to belong. So, and that belonging only lasts, that feeling of belonging only lasts for like a like or a little affirmation. It only lasts for five seconds, maybe, right? And then I'm searching for the next place to belong. So I've had to come back to that, like, understanding that is really within me. And I slip up all the time, because I everybody loves to belong, right? Mm -hmm. I say that's a big, that's a big, that can come up a lot. Probably the second thing that can feel like a struggle sometimes is probably comparison, just like everybody, I think. And that happens for me a lot, I'll be honest, on social media. Just trusting that I'm reaching the the people that I need to reach, showing up authentically and just, yeah, just trusting that my medicine is traveling as far as it needs to and that it will ripple out. And also that the invisible work that I do is making an impact. And I speak about that a lot because we can think that, you know, the ceremonies we're doing in private and quiet, the conversations we have that are just really sacred, kissing our children goodnight and before they go to sleep, like, that those things, because they're not plastered all over social media, don't matter. But I'm here to say that those things matter more than anything. And just because you don't have like a million followers or a million likes for those things, it doesn't mean it's less important. So I'd say comparison is something that comes up for me too. Mm, I resonate with this so much. And I'm even here, as I'm listening to you, I'm also like, wow, it's just, it's still, it's within an oppressive system. Because there, you know, there's a lot of proof how accounts of BIPOC and are being like targeted to receive less the algorithm of highlighting a specific type of folks. So in a way it's like that internalized, but there's still present situation. And I mean, oh my God, my heart goes, you know, with you and your family and your ancestors in terms of everything that's coming up that you probably already knew in your blood. But now it's like being proven outside and the reactions that people are having and and still, you know, there's so much going on. So I feel like 
we forget sometimes that and we keep thinking, oh, well, we internalize this, but we still have a lot of walls that are getting in our way in our messages. So I can definitely feel so deeply that aspect of is my medicine getting to where I'm intending it to do? And then how can I, you know, figuring out those loops and, and algorithm and this and that? And because it's like, how do I get there? Uh, and, you know, you, it can be disheartening, right? It can be disheartening to try to play into a system that is not here for us. It can be disheartening yes. to try to, like, figure it out. We can waste so much vital energy trying to figure it out when that's not really where our energy is meant to go. I mean, I've learned that over and over again. And, yes, you're right. As things are being unearthed and revealed and the truth is rising, a truth that we've always known and we've been speaking about, that's the one that gets frustrating for me. I've been talking about this for years. And only now is it getting voice. Only now is it only getting attention. And it's really hard to get attention as this Indigenous voice for those traumatic issues versus can I get attention for my medicine? Like, can I, you know Mm. what I mean? Like, it's just one of those really tricky things because then we get pulled into just posting about trauma because that's where we will get more followers. We will get more likes. That's how the algorithm seems to work. And that's what people want to see and then just kind of take from and learn from and that just becomes exhausting so yes i'd say social media is like a huge place of healing like i mean to figure out for my own healing (laughs) it's just like a lot of opportunities to heal oh my god yes and you're speaking about you know this aspect that i've been thinking lately a lot which is like how much to get into that sharing of the trauma of the trauma of the trauma especially as a trauma therapist how much are we focusing on the wound and how important it is to bring attention to it. But, but when is enough? When is it becoming more traumatic? When is it actually, because our mind, when we are feeling things, it's like we go back to that moment. And sometimes we need that to heal. But, but when is too much? When is like re-traumatizing? And that is a very fine line. And I feel like, and then if you're not doing, you know, there's a lot of judgment within the communities of righteousness, of how, you have to advocate how you have to, you know, social justice, how you have to do it. And if you're not doing that, then you're considered when then you're not part of us. It's like so much going on in that area. And even that, as you speak about it, like I can feel the trauma coming up. I wrestled with that so much over the last two and a half years. I think like, what kind of voice do I want to be? Because again, the projections, people will come into my um, DMs and say, why aren't you posting about this? You should be saying it this way. You're not doing it right. You're not posting enough. And I'm like, what about my joy? Can I just post a picture of me and my family? Am I allowed to even share anything about how I'm going to feed my family? Right? Because that's another thing. You're supposed to be posting education all the time. And as soon as you try to offer something, all of a sudden your engagement goes down and they're like, well, that's not what I want from you. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to live in this world then? You'll take everything else from me. But then I post about something that I would love reciprocity for, and all of a sudden you're out. So I think that Mm -hmm. um, those expectations, I want us to be gentler and kinder and more compassionate with each other. I think we are all doing our best. I I know we're all doing our best. Mm -hmm. Mm, So important. And also as mama raising little ones, which is another big layer in, in this, in navigating this world of complexity. How, how has that been for you, raising two little ones in this time and age? Um, it's been tough. Like I think these, where I live right now, it's, we were sort of the most locked down place in, on Turtle Island <laughs> for a long time. 
And I think that trying, I always keep thinking I want to shield them from this trauma of this time. And I know I can't do that, but, but it's been tough. You know, it's been tough to try to uh, manage it all. And there's many times where I feel like I've got, I'm burnt out because I'm trying to hold space for all of their emotions and my own, and then my clients and all the people I serve. So I think especially as a healer right now, it's felt like an extra heaviness to try to just lift everybody up. And I feel like I have nothing left for, or I felt like I had nothing left for myself. So I had to be just very careful about that. But they, you know, they feel it. You can tell children are just brilliant. You know, they have a little meltdown or a tantrum about nothing. And then you just can think, right, we're still in a pandemic. They've got a lot of restrictions on them. They're processing through that. But for us to have the capacity to even think in that way, I think has been challenging at this time. Mm, yeah. One of the latest was <laughs> for we do arroz con gandules, which I don't know if you know what it is, but it's, uh, I think it's pigeon. That's how you call it, pigeon beans or something mm. like that. They're the green kind of beans that come in. Anyways, it's like um, pea. I think it's pigeon peas. Mm. That's how it's called in English. But we make it and we season it with lots of, you know, onions and peppers and all that. My son has always loved it. And this last time that I made it, it's a Puerto Rican dish that takes a lot of pride, a lot of time. And I was like, I hope it's good and all that. And he was like, what are these vegetables? What is this? And it was like, you know, it was so overwhelming. That was the last tantrum. And in a way, it was also like me having to like figure out my stuff, his stuff pandemic stuff and also like he's a child and you know kids get into that stage of not wanting to eat veggies and stuff and and not take it so personal because I was here taking it personal like I made this Puerto Rican dish that you can have culture so you can remember where you come from and all this meaning that you put into things but children are not thinking that way but everything is I feel like everything is like highlighted like any little thing I feel it more deeply like my irritability and everything because of the stressors of it and I resonate so much with feeling like like I don't have that much more else to give and 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 it's hurtful because as healer you know how this is a very important time for healers to heal but it's like where am I going to pour out yeah and as you're saying that I haven't shared this yet with anybody really because I did as you mentioned my membership I did decide to close my membership and I realized I ran most of it during the pandemic time and I loved it. I loved every moment of it. And, but what I noticed is I, if there was like almost 300 people in there by the end of it, and it did feel like I was trying to hold up every person and that I didn't have the capacity mm-hmm. anymore. And I know that pretty quickly. <laughs> I know that now pretty quickly that mm-hmm. if I don't have the capacity for something, it's going to be leaky, right? There's going to be energy that's leaking out everywhere. And that is not something that I want with my work or my medicine in the world. So it was a huge decision and kind of a heartbreak for me to have to to have to do that. But that the pandemic time has impacted that too of like, how much capacity do I have as a healer? And how can I put my work out in ways that also nourish me? Because I think that's something I yeah. always put on the end of my list. But it's something that's really important and very clear now. Mm, this is like, whew, this is so juicy. <laughs> Some people might say that word. <laughs> but because, yeah, I've, and there's the grieving of it. I don't know if you're also experiencing like I I have ideas and I'm like, oh, my God, folks right now need this. Like I specialize in trauma. I specialize in regulation. I can do this. And then it's like, what time? 
what time? When am I going to do this? It would take away my sleep. And when I don't, when I don't sleep, it makes everything harder with two kids at home. Like, where am I going to do this? So it's like also that grieving of I could be doing, you know, all these things, but I can't for now. And being okay that I can't for now has been hard. Sometimes I'm like avoiding and ignoring like whatever, but then I feel it. So then it's also like, okay, feeling the grieving that I don't have the support necessary for me to do this. And at the same time, knowing that that sense of urgency, it's part of that internalized colonization and oppression that I have and that we're going to still need healing for many, many more years. So if I'm not right now in the front line, whatever that means, I'm in the front line at home and then eventually I'll be able to serve and being okay with that. But people expect that. And sometimes I get poked like, hey, why are you not doing this? Or somebody else kind of like sends me like, why are you charging so much? And why, you know, why don't you have more sliding scale slots? And he's like, yeah, um, sending them their blessings and be like, yeah, I'm not going to have to share what's going on in my house, but it being okay with that. Yeah. And those are, I mean, oh, that's the, the one of the hardest things to remember is people have no idea what's going on in our lives. Right. And they just have all these yeah. expectations, which are their expectations. And we're allowed to disappoint them. I think giving ourselves permission for disappointing people is huge. But I think that yeah, what you said, like about that internal like urgency, that can be a really big pushing point for me too, especially when I see others with children, other mm-hmm. business women with children or business parents with children. And I think, oh my goodness, they have these young kids. How are they managing and doing all of this? Like, so I always compare myself to that. And I think I just don't have it in me to keep launching, keep pushing, keep doing all that. So that's something that I just know now. Instead of like shaming myself for it, I realize I'm actually not a marketer. That is like something I've had. Mm-hmm. To I'm not, that's not part of my medicine. That's not how I define myself in any way. I'm not a marketer. And I was trying to fit into that mold for many years. Mm. I love of just accepting of what you're not. That is so profound. Instead of trying to fit the mold. Yeah. I resonate so much. And in terms of in terms of the light, in terms of what has been the most helpful for you during this time, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know what's so interesting? We're celebrating Hanukkah in our home this week. And there was something about lighting the candles this week that all of a sudden I felt a shift. Mm. Lighting candles is actually a ritual. It seems so simple, but I just finished my book too and I lit so many candles writing it. But it's something that helps me keep me connected I somehow to the light you know fire and candlelight really helps me to stay connected from like a very visceral standpoint and also I think I need to I need to get outside I need solitude time it's very important to me and with two little ones it's really challenging but I I really realize that that solitude time is important for me to clear everybody else's energy out of my field I'm a projector in human design so I soak up everything in my field so I need to shake out a lot and that helps me stay light. And also some somatic work. I feel like that is really helpful right now. Like shaking, simple breathing, all of those things, again, to shake out stuff that's not mine because that will really bog me down. That really feels heavy. And I, I realized about that myself too, acceptance that I, I soak, I'm a sponge. So I soak up a lot of things just effortlessly. They come into my field and then I'll realize, why do I feel so depressed or heavy and realize it's actually not mine to carry. So I do a lot of cleansing practices. 
Mm. Yeah. What are some of your favorite cleansing practices? Yeah. I mean, these are also simple. Salt bath every day. That is like my absolute everything. I have to have a salt bath every day. I use smoke medicine. I use sage every day in my in everything, in everything that I do. <laughs> I'm always lighting some sage because that's just like really connected to my indigenous lineage. And I'd say like even going, I love to just get down on the earth. That helps me. Like if I'm feeling low, my therapist is so brilliant. He'll say, get lower. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I get lower and I try to get lower to the earth because that's what I feel like. I, I'm feeling low. I'm feeling down. Oh, your body wants to get lower. Okay. So I'll sink there. So those are probably the three things that I do the most every single day. I'd say I, I do all those things. Mm, I love it. And do you use Epsom salt or any other salt? I do. My favorite thing, which I haven't used in a while, but I had like a big bin in it, of it for a while, is magnesium flakes. I used to love those. I felt like they were so cleansing and healing. And I use pink sea salt like right now, mostly from gifts. <laughs> Folks know that I love them. So they give me little packages of sea salt, which is so brilliant. But I say that that is probably where most of my um, <laughs> money goes into bath products. That's awesome. <laughs> It's the most thing. It's like my own little spa. And, you know, the kids walk in sometimes. They're Nerf guns and stuff. I saw a post that you did about it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so funny. I, yeah, mine are always walking in in the bathroom as well. Yeah. As long as I get that cleared off. And I think, again, it's that whole, like, energetic aura, like, being really mindful. I have to be so mindful of, especially if I'm doing a circle and there's, like, 50 or 60 people there. Like, what have I taken on? And just being really clear about my energy hygiene. and staying clear on my own because I can start to think, oh, like that idea, is that really belonging to me? Or is that some, you know, something trying to pull me out of myself? And I love that I now know this because I think before I just would shame myself and think, I don't know, think there was something wrong with me. Mm. I hear you. And can you share a little bit about your book? How was that journey? And yeah. Oh, yes. It was a long journey. It was longer than I thought it would be. There were so many steps. I I went to the Hay House Conference in um, 2019, and it was for the Diverse Wisdom Initiative they were having. So there was a bunch of us that were writing proposals. So I wrote a proposal, and I put, honestly, I put everything into it. It took me seven months. I started as soon as I, my feet like touched back down to, to Toronto, and I, I started right away, and I worked really hard on it. So when I submitted it, I, I just kind of put it out to the universe, and then and then they called in June, the day before my birthday, and mm. said, you know, you, you've got a deal. And I was just so shocked. But it had been a dream for probably 20 years. So it was amazing. And then, and then it's like really fascinating as you drop into the inspiration of what needs to be shared. Because it really started to become about combining like lived experience the storytelling, and then and then a little bit of the teachings that we walk as Indigenous people in the world. But it comes back to that vulnerability and those pieces of healing that I've done, hoping that as I share, it invites people into their own healing. And it's just, I really am proud of it. Mm-hmm. I just sent it to the printer, like just sent it to the printer on Tuesday. And I just felt like I've put my whole, whole heart and soul into this. Mm-hmm. And it comes out in March. So I'm very excited about it being. Yeah. And folks can pre-order. Yeah, your links. They'll be here in the show notes. So, oh, and I love your title. How do you come up with the title? You are the medicine. It's interesting because since I've put it out there, folks have told me, oh, this was initially shared by 
a curandera. I, I can't remember what her name is, but that's not where I got it from because I'd never heard of her or her work. She's passed into the spirit world now. I was just sitting there. I was just, I was sitting in the Hales conference. I was talking to a friend and I said, Oh, what should I call this book? And I said, I think I'm going to call it Good Medicine. And she goes, eh. And I'm like, But you are the medicine. So it just kind of came just in our little channeling. We were both kind of praying to Louise Hay that she would hear our, our dream and our wish. So it just kind of came in that moment. And I truly hadn't heard it anywhere else. But really, what it comes from is so many years of seeing doctors that I gave my power over to having healers and teachers who I put on pedestals, who I handed my power over to again, just learning in really, really got hard and challenging ways because those things just fell apart or there was harm done that it had to come back to me. I had to trust in my own knowing. That was the most important. So it really is like a little prayer to myself. Mm, I can't wait to see it in person and read it and go through all of it because yeah, I've recently, one of the things that I've discovered, and I had a super aha yesterday, but it was how my medicine is to help other psychotherapists and healer bring it out and then figure out how can they do it and, and help them work through all the hurdles of what gets in the way and the confidence and the fear and like, nobody's going to listen to me or, you know, and like taking action because I consider myself a courageous person that it just takes action. So helping them that and and seeing their journey because that's how I see like there could be more healing out in the world, especially for psychotherapists, like there will be more people touched by their services. So yeah, it's always something, I mean, it's not always, it's something that recently I've been like very much. So like listening about how I am the medicine and coming back again to a reclamation of who I am, regardless of all the labels and expectations people have put on me, I feel like yeah, inspiring for me to come back to me. It's so amazing. And there's a better word. I just can't find it right now in English and, or even in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But it's like that knowledge, it's gold, especially for, you know, folks of color that have been, you know, their history has just been messed up with because that's part of the oppression, not knowing who you are, where you come from, not knowing that. Yeah, so much that. And that's who this book is written. You know, the book, it's interesting. The book came really clearly after the children were found, found and discovered in the residential school yards. I felt their presence wanting to come through in my words and in parts of it. So it was always like they, it came out in that way. So I sort of also hope that it touches our child self, like those parts of ourselves that just were marinating in oppression and colonization that came here, I mean, we didn't choose that, right? We didn't choose to sort of be born into these systems. So I just feel like it's also a prayer to our inner children in that way that somehow we can be free. Mm. I would love for us to mm. I receive that and I bet the listeners are also receiving that. And yeah, we can be free. And we don't need to depend on others for us to be free within ourselves. And I know there are nuances about this. <laughs> There's no generalizations. Mm -hmm. But yes, oh, I feel like I can talk to you forever. So, but let's go into the buy around questions. So, basically, I mean, it's just more like complete the sentence. My unique and special gift is to illuminate another's medicine. I am reclaiming my freedom. I no longer subscribe to oppressive systems. 
If my ancestor would speak, they would say, I'm so proud of you. And my wish for you, meaning the audience, is that you remember your divine creation story and come back to that spark of who you are. So beautiful. So beautiful. Oh, Asha, thank you so much. So where can the audience and get a hold of you in with boundaries <laughs> as we're talking? <laughs> How can they get some kind of access to you that it's respectful to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a beautiful question. Well, they can follow me on Instagram. I tend to try to respond to every comment that I can. And my website's ashafoss.com. But right now, um, I because I don't have the membership anymore. So things are just mm-hmm. like, you know, my book will be a portal into understanding a lot about um, a lot about everything we've spoken about. So that will be a little like window into some of the most vulnerable parts of my story in that way. But I'd love to see you on Instagram. I try to really build a community. There. Mm, yeah. And you also mentioned that you're still doing one-on-ones and collaborate to do circles with other communities. And you also came out with a collaboration with a candle, which I need to get my hands on. Yeah, so. I did. Yes, that is like, it's a, it's called Maskwa, which in Cree language is bear and in Ojibwe it's Mokwa. And it's for the winter solstice. So it is filled with just so much magic. And I would love to share that because that's beautiful. And there is an offering going to be coming in the new year. I'll share it secretly here. It's going to be called Thunderbird Rising for for folks who want to spread their wings and step into their biggest magic. Mm, so beautiful. And this is going to come, this episode, I mean, the listeners are listening as it's coming out. It's probably going to come around the solstice now that I'm thinking about. So yeah, which is perfect. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here, for saying yes, for your presence, for your inspiration. One thing I wanted to say about the candles is that seeing your pictures with your candle in the book, like while you were writing, it just brought in me and I love candles too. I'm still like trying to discover, but I love fire. And oh, there was one day that I almost, <laughs> I have to be careful with it though. <laughs> like it was like baby was already sleeping and the alarm went off because I was doing like a little ritual inside here. So I had to go out and now there's like the dried candle. What's the liquid in English? Yeah, it's like in the patio. I'm like, oh, I need to clean this because it, it was like very powerful, which it could be interpreted in so many ways. But anyways, I love fire and and seeing those day-to-day pieces that you write. I'm always seeing them and I love them. It just brings back the human part and more of that relatable. So just want to say thank you for that. And any last comment thoughts before we wrap it up? I'm just so grateful for you. Honestly, I'm so grateful. It just shows me that we can connect from like just two different parts of the world. And just that spirit to spirit connection can feel really strong, even over these internet waves. So thank you so much. And to everyone who's listening, I feel my spirit and spirit connection to you too. Mm, Theory I hear. Okay. Well, everyone, you know where to find Asha's information. We'll see you guys in the next time. Thanks for listening. Licensed Psychologist Now What? To make sure you don't miss any episode, make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website. Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.